someone does not read his emails because I clearly sent out to all the worship leaders, here's the direction I'm going, don't steal my thunder. Ugh. I was so clear. This just to know where I'm headed. Don't steal it. Okay, from Genesis. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I'm establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I've set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. You have heard the ancient story. How did it get started that Noah and his ark became best known as a children's story? Because it is not a children's story. I'm thinking it has to do with the animals two by two or seven by seven, depending on which version of the story you read. And I guess a few drawings of the animals in cartoon fashion, and then you tell it in a lilty voice and maybe add a song about the rains coming down and the floods coming up, and you can pull it off as a children's story. But it's actually a pretty violent tale about God's disappointment in humanity, and that's just hard to pull off well for children. I mean, come on, that's hard to pull off for adults. In this Lenten season, we're going to be looking at God's covenant with humanity. I've spent a good bit of time this week thinking through that word covenant. I think I've always associated it with mutuality, agreement from both sides. We're in this together kind of thing is what covenant means. But the more I thought about it, and especially in light of the story we have before us today, it seems like God does most of the work of covenanting. And God's agreement, God's promise, God's covenant is not very dependent upon our acceptance of it or involvement in it. It's more like God is making an agreement, a promise, a covenant with God's own self. 
Maybe the expectations on our part are implied, but in this scene, it seems like God is just making the covenant that we will never be alone and that God will not mass destroy us or the earth no matter how much we disappoint. How do you set reminders for yourself? You set an alarm on your phone, on your watch, Do you send yourself an email? Do you make a note for yourself? Do you put a post-it note on your mirror? It is not uncommon for me to find pieces of eight and a half by 11 paper from the recycling bin lying in every doorway throughout our house from Russ to Russ. He likes to put things right in his own path so that he literally has to step on it to remind himself to do whatever it is he's trying to remember. But I ask you, how many times does your alarm go off that you have set for yourself to remember to do something and it honestly takes you just a few seconds to remember what you had set the reminder to remind you to do? Russ's dad has a trick that I have adopted and it's crossing your fingers. Now, this is a short-term method, more for holding your thought for a brief moment. You know all those times you're making your argument while the other person is talking and you're not really listening. You're just trying to remember what you're going to say when they finally stop talking. That's what this is best for. This is not as practical for remembering to grab your homemade lunch out of the fridge tomorrow morning because it's hard to hold crossed fingers throughout the night while you sleep. But the point is... We all need reminders. I had just forgotten that God does too. In one of the commentaries I read on this Genesis rainbow story this week, the scholar pointed out something that I had forgotten. The bow was not set in the sky to remind us of God's promise. God put the multicolored covenant in the sky to remind God of God's promise. Don't forget, don't destroy the whole earth with the flood. (laughs) Seems like something I wouldn't be apt to forget, but perhaps God knew there would be so many more times of disappointment in humanity. Perhaps God knew that there would be so many more tough love parenting moves God would have to make with us when God might be prone to have a quick temper over things that God had already covered about how we will treat each other and how we will care for the earth and how we will act on behalf of those in great need and how we will stand up to bullies and how we will be an advocate for those that are powerless and how we will enact all our welcome attitude and how we will hold one another accountable when some destroy and tear down and reject God's goodness and God's people. Perhaps God had an inkling of how completely vexing we could be and would be. So God put a multicolored covenant in the sky for God to remember to love us and take care of us and never leave us and never forsake us no matter what. This way of seeing that rainbow makes it all the more beautiful to me. 
It's not a sign for me. It's a sign for God to remember the promise to never leave me or forsake me or destroy me or the earth. National Geographic explains the bow in the sky this way. When light meets a water droplet, it is refracted at the boundary of air and water and enters the droplet where the light is dispersed into multicolors. The rainbow effect occurs because the light is then reflected inside the droplet and finally refracted out again into the air. That is fascinating. And I am grateful for brilliant minds who figure out why it looks like that. The brilliance of scientific minds is of God, too. For today, I know that it is just God's post-it note from God to God. Love the earth. Love the people. I did do a little research about the rainbow becoming a symbol for LGBTQIA plus folk. Because honestly, that's how I now associate rainbows. So now I find that I look for, among people and organizations, I look for rainbow colors to try to determine if that person or that group is an ally of the gay community or not. Is there a rainbow on their website? Is there a rainbow on their bulletin? Ah, oh, there most certainly is. Are they using any multicolored design to signify safe space? If there's no mention of inclusion and no multicolored image, I presume that they are not welcoming and affirming. But here's how that came to be associated with the LGBTQIA community. The rainbow was chosen to represent this community by artist Gilbert Baker. He believed that the rainbow was ideal because it's found in nature and was a beautiful symbol representing inclusivity, diversity, and an all-embracing image of love and friendship. It goes back to 1978 when the artist Gilbert Baker, an openly gay man and a drag queen, designed the first rainbow flag. He later revealed that he was urged by Harvey Milk, the, one of the first openly gay elected officials in the US, to create a symbol for pride for the gay community. I have no idea if this artist in the late 70s understood the significance of God creating the rainbow as a reminder to love and not destroy. But in light of that biblical perspective, it seems like to me a perfect sign for any marginalized community, a reminder to love and not destroy a multicolored covenant of acceptance, affirmation, welcome, inclusion. We're all looking for signs for that, aren't we? We're looking for signs for everything. Sometimes we say it in ways that it sounds more superstitious or a little bit of magic thrown in, but we do want some sign, some evidence, some pointer that we are headed in the right direction. And we turn to God and we say, give us a sign. 
I love that the rainbow is a sign for God's own self to remember something as important as do not destroy them. Maybe, just maybe, God is looking for a sign from us. The New Testament scripture that is part of our lectionary text for today, the references are to the baptism of Jesus. Water, especially baptismal water, has become a sign of God's presence because it was in that moment that God descended upon Jesus, and in that moment, everyone was aware as if a voice from heaven had boomed down in their very best Mike Hamrick-esque voice, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Aren't those the words we all long to hear? Whether it's from a booming voice of God or from a whispered, gentle sound that may have been a little more like, I love you to the moon and back. What we want is a sign that we are on the right track, headed in the right direction. I've just begun to think that that's what God wants too. A sign from us that we are engaged in this effort of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. How would God recognize that we are in a covenant relationship with God? How could God know and see that we are active and engaged in making the world good and kind and loving and giving? I think God must be looking for a sign every bit as much as we are looking for a sign from God. God is looking for a sign from us that we are participating in covenant. Maybe God longs to hear, you are my God, in you I am well pleased. Do you ever say to God the very thing you're longing to hear from God? The very moment God created us is the sign that God didn't want to be in the work alone. The fact that we are here and powerful beyond measure is a sign that God wants us and loves us and needs us to be co-creators in bringing clean water and fresh air for healthy living and food to the hungry and shelter to those without a roof above their heads. I wish I had the creative genius of God to create something as beautiful as a multicolored covenant bow in the sky to remind me that I will not give up on the world and that I won't participate in destroying it or any of its inhabitants. A reminder to myself that I will not become so cynical or jaded or glass half empty or so sarcastic or so despairing or so angry or so fearful that I lose energy or capacity to do my part and hold up my end of the covenant of living into and out of being a beloved child of God. Maybe I will spend this Lenten journey coming up with something that can be a sign 
or a symbol to remind myself that God is counting on me to bring about God's goodness and enact God's mercy and be God's hand and feet and voice and heart in this world that is simultaneously beautiful and broken. What if our very lives and the way we went about living them became the sign that God has been looking for? How will I remind myself to do my part? How will I remind myself, don't destroy the earth or the people that live upon it? Russ and I did our normal Saturday morning routine yesterday of heading to our favorite coffee shop with laptops in hand. We sit at the same spot at the bar, and every single Saturday morning, there are two men who sit at the high top table behind us, and they discuss, these are two grown men, they discuss in great detail the video games that they play. <laughs> For hours, that is what they talk about. It's honestly baffling to me. I cannot help but think that they are just as baffled by us. It's beautiful what makes the world go round, isn't it? We can be baffled by one another and call it God's creative, multicolored genius that some folks are energized by video game strategies while others write sermons about rainbows and baptisms all over a common cup of coffee. Anyway, I make my Yeti of Joe at our house because I like it better. But I get their stone ground grits that are seasoned to perfection, which is not easy to do. And in my typical fashion, I sit there staring at my computer, thinking of ways to procrastinate just a bit. So yesterday morning, my procrastination was this. I really need to take a look at these Mary Oliver poems to prepare more for the Lenten discussion I'm leading that starts today. Poetry is not typically my language. So this Lenten series that I'm leading using Mary Oliver's poems is a stretch for me. For me. I chose it because I thought it would be good for me to stretch. Where do you start with a big thick book of poems? So before hammering my sermon and in every effort to put it off, a sermon that I've got a craft about rainbows and baptisms and signs from God. I decided to start in the most natural place, the first one, in the thick collection of poems. To just see, can I make sense of it? I was so blown away by the first few lines of the first poem in this collection of Mary Oliver's poems. It took my breath away as any good sign from God will do. And I sat mesmerized that even though I didn't have an introduction or a middle of the sermon, I now had a conclusion. Her poem, I Wake Close to Morning, was a reminder that God's covenant can be seen all over nature, a tangible reminder, not just in the sky after a rain with reflected and refracted light, refracted light in water droplets, 
But in every moment, God is reminding us that God is with us and loves us fiercely. I wake close to morning. Why do people keep asking to see God's identity papers when the darkness opening into morning is more than enough? Certainly, any God might turn away in disgust. Think of Sheba approaching the kingdom of Solomon. Do you think she had to ask, is this the place? Why do people keep asking to see God's identity papers when the darkness opening into morning is more than enough? The darkness opened into this morning as a sign of God's covenant, and it was more than enough. Why do we keep asking more from God when God has already given us every good promise and all the signs that we need. Perhaps it is God who is looking for a sign from us. Will we be God's multicolored covenant on earth? Right here and right now. May it be so. Amen.